something to shout about today. The tomb is empty and he's alive. He's alive. Come on, you have something to shout about because he's
come. We can shout praise to God this morning. We worship you, Lord Jesus. Praise him, praise him. And all the earth will shout your praise. Our hearts will cry. These bones will sing.
that I want them to sing that again in a few minutes. But I want to explain something to you. Do you know why you have, one of the main reasons you have breath in your lungs is to praise God? Can I tell you, we serve a jealous God. And He's given us breath in our lungs to praise and worship Him. The Bible says that if we don't, God will cause the rocks to cry out because God wants and deserves praise. But you know, know, don't start clapping, you want, because I'm about to do a little fussing. It's pretty pathetic when I could see someone at a worldly concert shouting and screaming to this artist, this human being. But then when God's people come before Him to praise them, we get the golf syndrome. Are you, are, how do you think that makes God feel? That He sees people praising other people uninhibited. But when he comes to have a, when we come to praise and worship him, we all clam up. I don't think he cares for that. I think that's why the Bible says if you don't, he'll cause the rocks to. But I don't know about you. I don't want no rock out praising me. I don't want no rock out, out worshiping me. We are to praise the whole earth. The Bible even says that out of the mouths of babies, God has ordained praise. That's why it's such a blessing when I, when I, when I see children worshiping. Because they're fulfilling what God, part of what God has for them is to worship God in awe of God. You need, you need to begin to try and comprehend how holy and worthy God is. Doesn't he deserve more than what people give earthly artists? It's not about the worship team. It's about him. It's the very breath we have. Right? Do you know why God gave you hands to clap and to praise him? Your whole body is made, designed to bring worship and praise to God. But the devil somehow has us that we, oh, we, we, we get so inhibited that we can't move. But then you see, it, at a worldly concert, they're going crazy. They're, they're worshiping all God. The problem is they're worshiping the wrong thing. But the world can get that excited about a human being. And we as Christians can get more excited about the one and only God that we serve, that has been death, has risen from the grave. Isn't he worth the praise that he died on the cross to to save your soul? So let's worship him this morning. Remember, take that to heart when it says it's his very breath in us. That's what it's there for is to worship him and bring praise. So let's sing that chorus again, brother Kevin. Come on, I just want you to just pour yourself out to him this morning. It's your breath in our lungs, so we pour out our praise, we pour out our praise. It's your breath in our lungs, so we pour out. 
dismiss our children, three, four, and five, to their class right now. Amen. 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 How many of you know he's worthy? Okay, three of you. Thank you. How many of you know he's worthy? That's about three quarters of you. On, shout to the Lord with praise. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. Sometimes we got to fan into flame that gift that God has given us. Amen. But it's so good to see everyone here this morning. And Amen. This is probably going to be a different Easter message than you've kind of ever heard before. I think I kind of had a different Palm Sunday message than you've ever heard before last week. And God has just taken me down this path this year is... As we remember things, you know, Palm Sunday, remember when Christ came in triumphantly in Jerusalem riding on, the, on a donkey, and then he was betrayed and things. And uh, this is where I need you to go back and uh, watch last week's message so you understand this. But Jesus made a statement. He, he told his disciples, it's better that I leave than for me to stay. He says, it's better for you if I leave than if I stay. And that was the reasoning was, because he says, because if I leave, or unless I leave, my Father will not send the Holy Spirit to be with you. And you see, sometimes we remember, and that's what I was thinking, we remember things, but we may not be remembering everything we're supposed to be remembering. So let's just go to the Lord in prayer right now. Amen. And let's, let's just begin this morning. Dear Heavenly Father, I come to you today. And Father, I thank you for each and every person that's here in this building today, each and every person that's listening online today or in the future. And Father, I just pray that you would touch each and every one of us, Father, by your spirit. You'd open every blind eye to the spiritual truths this morning. Father, that every deaf ear be open to the spiritual truths this morning. That every mind could comprehend, Father God, your word this morning, the spiritual truths of your word this morning. And most of all, prepare our hearts to receive your word this morning. In Jesus' mighty and precious name, and everyone shouts, Amen, Amen. So... If, if you get your notes out as we celebrate Easter Sunday, Resurrection Sunday, I almost, again, uh, unintentionally, last week's message ties in with the way this week's message went. I didn't realize I was going to be speaking this message this week uh, as of last Sunday. I thought it was going to be a regular traditional uh, Easter message, but this one's going to be, again, what 
I could have titled both of them. If, if I'd go back, I could have titled last week and this week, What If? What if we're not doing exactly and remembering exactly what Jesus wanted us to remember? It, Think about this. When you think of stories in the past in your life, you remember things, but sometimes you forget some details, right? And if you're having a conversation with somebody else and you're, you're talking, yeah, remember this, this, and talk about, and you remember this also happened. And they, oh, yeah, that's true. What about that? And I think when Jesus made that statement, which we read all the time uh, on Communion Sunday, where, where Jesus says, whenever you take communion, he says, do this in remembrance, in remembrance of me. Another word of, of what he did. And we, we, we know we equate it to the cross and Easter to his death, burial, and resurrection. The, the emblems represent his body and blood. But what if there's more to that remembrance than just this? What if there's more to it? Than that. What if Easter and Palm Sunday is something more than just to be remembered, but something for each and every Christian to be experienced, even today? What if? And that, that's why I talked about last week. It, my message was called Holy Spirit Come. Because we all think of Palm Sunday and remember Palm Sunday as just Jesus riding on the donkey, coming, coming to, heading toward Jerusalem to go to the cross. But Jesus made that statement. It's better for you that I leave. Because then the Holy Spirit will come and be among you. And, and you're going to see how that kind of ties, actually ties into the message this morning. Is that Easter is more than just an event that we remember that happened 2,000 years ago. And you know, we all say he's alive. Well, he's always been alive. It's over 2,000 years ago. He rose from the dead. He's never died since. Yeah, and sometimes we, we get in this routine. Oh, he, he's risen again. He's never died again. It was a one-time thing, and we could become so narrow-minded and narrow-focused that when Jesus says, remember what I did, we just remember a part of it, a fraction of it. And this is what I want you to understand today as, as we begin going through this. I want you to look at your, uh, <coughs> your papers here. Isaiah chapter 53, verse 5 says this. And as we read scriptures that are very common that we read a lot of times I want to look almost look at it from a slightly different angle what if it also means this this is a prophecy about Jesus coming in Isaiah 53 verse 5 he says but he was pierced for our transgressions our, that means our rebellion our sin and he was crushed for our iniquities which also translates into faults and sins the punishment that brought us what? Peace. Now circle that word peace. We're going to come back to this. That brought us peace was on him, <coughs> and by his wounds we are healed. Now I want you to, let's go back to peace for a second. When he's talking about here is it brought peace in restoring a relationship between us and God. Okay? Right? We're separated by sin, and the Bible says that if you're not born again, you're an enemy of God. 
So that him dying on the cross for our sins, for our iniquities, for our transgressions brought peace. In other words, it healed a relationship that was broken. Our relationship with God was broken by the sin of Adam and Eve and carried on through our, everybody else. But Jesus died to heal that relationship. And let, Now, hear me out on this. I need you to realize that I believe that it was not only for that relationship, but it was all for all relationships. When you think about it, God is the institutor of relationships. In His very being, He is God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. We see relationship in His very being. Then God created Adam and established relationship with Adam. Right? And this is what we're talking about. That the most important relationship anyone could ever have in their life is their relationship with God. Because God established a relationship with Adam before he created Eve. To let Adam know number one priority in your life is God. But then it's God that told Adam, because Adam was perfectly content in just knowing God. Think about that. Adam didn't ask God for Eve. Can I tell you when, you, when you begin looking to someone else to meet a need that only God can in your life, you're, you're going to be miserable? See, people are not meant to meet your needs in life. Only God can. That's why God created Adam first and established that relationship. And only once that relationship was established, God said, it's not good for man to be alone. And he created Eve. And there were man and woman. So God instituted marriage. He instituted relationship. So I believe when he says also that this brought, that he came and brought peace, I believe it's through relationships in general. It brought peace and relations to him. It brought salvation to my life and restored my relationship, brought peace instead of this war because I was his enemy. But it also translates down into Adam and Eve and human beings. Think about it. What happened right after they sinned? The first argument. Right? Is the snake. Is the, Adam said, is the woman. Tension struck. Their relationship changed. All of a sudden, Adam's blaming Eve. This, no, actually, Adam's blaming Eve and God. I always like to say it that way because he, he does say it this way. It's, the woman you gave me. Oh, if you wouldn't have gave her to me, I wouldn't have had this issue. You see, relationships. It, it, I believe God, it, when Jesus went to the cross and we remember, it, it's not only that he healed and brought peace to our relationship with God, but he made it possible for us to have peace with everyone else. says, the punishment that brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds we are healed. Now, I believe that when he's talking about healed there, I think it means total completely. Not just physically. Physically is parts. But I believe it's spirit, our relationship with God, soul, our mind, our will, our emotion, and body. I believe that we are healed, that the cross was able to heal us, spirit, soul, and body. 
where our emotions is. So I believe with, with this scripture, it, it, what we miss a lot of times is that he brought healing to our mortal life also. That we could have peace. Didn't Jesus says the peace, my peace I give you? Not as the world gives peace, but the peace from God. You see, we are to have peace. He came to heal relationships. He came to heal marriages. He came to re- re- heal relationships between husbands and wives, between fathers and children, mother and children. He's come to heal you everything. And it's available for us. But that old stinky devil don't want you to remember that. But I think that's what Jesus was including in everything. Look, do this in remembrance of me. I died for your whole life. I died for every area and brought healing and peace for every area of your life. Now, you may say, well, well why do you get that? Let, let, let's look at a couple of things here. Next verse. Very familiar verse of Scripture. John 10.10. 10. It says, the thief comes to steal, to kill, and destroy. I believe he comes to destroy the family. He comes to destroy marriages. He comes to destroy your children. He comes to destroy you. He comes to destroy everything. He comes to destroy everything that God had established. God established the family. So guess what? He attacks the family. God established marriage. Guess what? He attacks marriage. But Jesus says, but I have come. Okay, so let's remember. Do this in remembrance of me. This is one of the things he did. He says, I have come that you may have life. But he didn't stop there. See, life is talking about, you brought the peace, you're, you have life again, you're born again, you have life with the Father. He says, but th- there's another three-letter word right after that. He says, I have come that they may have life. What's that next word? What is it? And, meaning not only. He says, I have come that you may have life, but not only that. So when we're remembering, we need to remember we have salvation through Jesus Christ, but so much more. He says that you may have life and have it to the full. Now that's not talking about things. It's talking about that you may have peace in your life, that you may have wholeness in your life, that that everything Jesus died for, that your life may be full and complete. If If he died just for our sins, that was enough. But he says, I didn't. And you need to remember that I didn't. See, I think, I think we're selling him short by only remembering part of what he did. But he's come not only to give you life, which is represented here by his body and blood, but it also brings our life to the full. To heal every area of our life. So let's go on to the next one. <clears throat> Matthew nineteen twenty-five through 26. When, he heard, when they heard this, his disciples were greatly astonished and asked, and it's talking about salvation. Who can be saved? This is what we're remembering today. We're celebrating his death, burial, and resurrection because we can be saved. And they're asking the question, who can be saved? 
Jesus looked at them and said, wit man, and was that next word? This. Now, this is singular. It's about one thing. He's saying this, we're talking about salvation, guys. This thing, this salvation thing, this is impossible with man. You can't do it on yourself. I have to go to the cross. He says that is impossible, but he says, but with God, he doesn't say this is possible. You catch it? He's, in the beginning, he's saying salvation, this is impossible for man. But with God, not only does this, but all things are possible. You see, it's more than just salvation. It's more than just salvation. Although, if it was just that, that's more than we deserve. Can I tell you, maybe some of us are not living the life that God has for us. Maybe we're missing it. Maybe we're not realizing what the cross really done for every area of our life. Let's look in Matthew. Matthew records something that the other Gospels don't, and I want to show you this. And I, In your notes, you're going to see I have... Uh, the numbers one through three, uh, bold in parentheses. I've added that just to help you uh, know what I'm talking about. But three things happen that is, is critical here. And again, we're looking at what if, looking at things from a different perspective. Notice what it says. <clears throat> and when Jesus had cried out again in a loud voice, he gave up his spirit. He's talking about right, right on the cross. He gave up his spirit. I want to touch this on here for a second. Jesus could not be defeated. Thank God we got three of you that believe it. Jesus could not be defeated. That's why he surrendered himself. And he says, I give up my spirit because no one can take it from me. There ain't no devil on earth or in hell, that could do anything to Jesus. He's on the cross. He says, I may look defeated, but let me tell you something. I could pull this out right now and come down if I want and slap a few of you. Those of you that are spitting at the cross and all these things, but he says, my love, Father, forgive them for they do not what they do. And he gave up his spirit. No one took it. He did it because he loved us. And then it says, at that moment, when he gave up his spirit, notice this. At that moment, number one, one thing that happened, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. Now, what you need to realize is the temple worship, they had the Holy of Holies. We, I've done something a few months ago maybe that, that showed, I put the images of, of the temple and the things, the different stages. But the Holy of Holies was that place behind the curtain where the Ark of the Covenant was, where, where God's spirit, God's presence was that would, was with the people. Again, we had not been saved, Jesus, okay? Uh, the Holy Spirit lives in us now. Please go back to next, last week's message and understand all these things. I don't want to get tied up there. But that, the Holy, that God's spirit was there and man could not go into the Holy of Holies. Only once a year, the high priest would enter the Holy of Holies, but they had to make all kind of sacrifices and everything that he'd be able to go in once a year. 
into the Holy of Holies. And they even actually would tie a rope around him in case he had any unconfessed sin that he thought nobody knew about. But if he stepped into the presence of God with that sin that they had not sacrificed for, he would die. Because sin cannot be in the presence of God without a sacrifice. So he went in there, and it says that that curtain that separated God's presence from everyone else, it says it was when he died, guess what? Jesus was the sacrifice. And the curtain was torn how? Top to bottom. Why do you think he just didn't say the curtain was torn? Because he was proven to us that it was done from heaven, from the top to the bottom, that God was making the way. That's why it wasn't torn from bottom to top, because man couldn't do it. Salvation is impossible with man. So from top to bottom, it was torn, giving us access to God. And then notice the second thing is, and there's a lot in this thing, but I, I want to point out one thing. It says the, was that next word? Earth then what? Shook. The earth shook, the rock split, and the tombs uh, broke, probably from this earthquake. The whole earth shook. But I want to think about you to think about this, as in what, what is experienced in this? That the whole earth, the earth was shaken. Where did you come from, man? Dust of the earth. You see, the, or, the, the origin or the place where man came from was shaken. That was God who created. God took dust from the earth and breathed the breath of life for man and breathed the breath of life. But the very foundations of us were shaken. You see, I, I think we need to realize that God, for all creation, the cross is something for us to experience. That Easter is more than what you think. That it, it, it applies to every one of us. That the, the very foundation, the earth was shook, and it says the rock split, and the tombs were opened. Now, the third thing is, Notice what it says here. The bodies of many holy people, circle many holy people, who had died were raised to life. And that verse 53 says, they came out of their tombs after Jesus' resurrection and went into the holy city and appeared before many people. Now realize, they did not come out until Jesus' resurrection, until Jesus came out first. See, the Bible says Jesus is the first fruit. This is a very complicated or things that we can't understand. It says many of the holy people, but not all. You notice that? Well, why not all? Why only some? We don't know. But it was a sign. But we see, that again, that people also experienced that day. Sometimes we question God why, why this didn't happen. Why did 
Can I tell you, God doesn't have to explain himself to us? You know, it, it, we can't even begin to comprehend God. Our brain, the most, the most intelligent human being on earth cannot even begin to fathom God. God doesn't owe us an explanation. He just says, trust me. All I know is I, tr- I put my faith in him and whatever he does, I know is right whether I understand it or not. So why, why, didn't all the whole, why didn't every holy person be raised? I don't know. So, let's get going. I don't want to get target practice. I'm only on half a page of note, and i got four pages. Many holy people who, were, who had died was raised to life. Verse 53 says, they came out of the tombs after uh, Jesus' resurrection and went into the holy city and appear, appeared to many people. So more people, again, experienced. They, it wasn't just a Jesus thing that day. Healing was brought to many. It was for everyone to experience. Then Notice what it goes on to say, Matthew 28, 17 through 20. This is after Jesus' resurrection, his disciples. It says, when they saw him, They worshipped him, but notice those next three words. But some doubted. Some doubted. And I believe there's some people in here, some people watching online that's saying, yeah, I know God done all those things, but I'm not sure if he still does all those miracles now. I still, I don't know, uh, maybe that was for back then, but does God still heal all those things? Does God still move all those things? I'll do it this way. If you know beyond the shadow of a doubt that God performed a miracle in your life or someone else's life, I want you just to stand up right now. You're not going to be saying anything. Okay. Now, if only one person stood up, it would prove that God still does miracles. Look around. Look around. God's still in the miracle working business. God is still in the miracle working business. Amen. You can be be seated. God is still in the miracle working business. So we need to not doubt what Jesus says. Now, so no, notice what this says. They, they, uh, then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, you know what he's doing here? He's saying, authority has been given to me. Therefore, this is, this is after his resurrection, he was deputizing you. You know, when a, when a sheriff takes, uh, wins an election, they give him authority, then what he does is says, because the authority has been placed on me, I now deputize you. In other words, now I give you the authority. Look what he, what he says. He says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them they obey Everything I have commanded you, and surely I am with you to when? 
till a couple of hundred years? Forever. In other words, he's saying it's still for today. Till the end of the age. It's still for today. Let's move on quickly here. Notice John 14, 12 through 14. Jesus makes this statement. And this is for any of you doubting. Jesus make, how many of you know Jesus doesn't lie? See, we could be the fool. We could be the mocker. But hopefully you'll be the wise. And know what God's word says is true. Whether we understand it or not. Jesus says, very truly, just in case you're doubting, very truly, I tell you, whoever believes, stop there. If you believe in Jesus, raise your hand. So he's telling us, I'm telling you right now, whoever believes. So you believe. This includes you. He's with us through all generations. And he's saying, whoever believes in me will do the... Notice there's an S on the end of works. Works. That I have been doing. So we understand works is plural, so it means more than one thing. We, we can't go to the cross and be forgiven for sin. Salvation, that's impossible with man. But everything is impossible with God. What works did Jesus do? Taking away going to the cross that we can't. Shared the gospel, which we're all supposed to do. Did he pray for people and heal people? Yeah. Didn't he... Send out his disciples to do that also? Didn't miracles happen? Didn't he, he, he feed 5,000? Jesus is telling you. I, I don't know if you're catching this. Very truly, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing. And they will do even greater things than these because you know what Jesus was a one man show besides his 12 disciples that went out but he's saying now it's better that I leave why is it better because now the Holy Spirit could come in you do you know Jesus didn't do a miracle until he was baptized and the Holy Spirit came and empowered him because it's the Holy Spirit working through us it's not us He says, all the works I have been doing, they will do even greater works. So guess what? Because I am going to the Father. Because I, what did he say last week? It is better for you that I leave and go to the Father so the, Spirit, the Father could send the Holy Spirit. And is the Holy Spirit working in you that's going to have you praying for people, delivering people, healing your marriage, healing your family? And here's the dollar. Well, what if I pray for somebody and they don't get healed? What if I pray for something and God don't answer it? Well, he didn't say you do the miracle. He does. 
And hopefully if you pray for somebody and they get healed, you don't try and take the credit. So why take the blame? Our job is to be obedient to the word of God. God is in the miracle working business. We are just to do what he tells us to do. He says, you, every believer, will be doing the works he did. So, (laughs) are you a believer? We're 2021 right now, right? So, in other words, God has not stopped doing miracles. We've seen how three quarters, 90% of the church stand that they know God has done a miracle in their life or someone else's. I I love it the way it says in that song, God's not going to run out of miracles anytime soon. Then he doesn't stop there. Verse 13, Jesus says, For every believer, and, what, and I will do whatever you ask in my name. And notice why. So that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. Now, this is, again... This is in accordance with God's will for your life and God's purpose. He didn't say, oh, go home and pray for $10 million. And he's got to do it. Because you say, in Jesus' name. That's why we pray and we always say, in Jesus' name. Because he says, you ask the Father in my name. That's why we pray that way. But in Jesus' name at the end of a prayer is not like a magician saying, abracadabra. You know, it's not a little magical saying. It's how we pray to God the Father. But he says, ask. Does Jesus lie? Does he lie? Then he says, ask anything in his name and he will do it. Can can I say maybe we need to start remembering that? As part of what he did when he said, do this in remembrance of me. Remember when you, when you do that, remember that you can ask anything in my name to the Father according to the Father's will and he will do it for you. See, in his name is not a magical formula, but the prayers of believers as Christ represented, as, as we are deputized by him, doing his business, will be answered. Think about that. That, My pea bearing is blown when I think about how great God is and the things he has for us. Notice next, a couple of things. Romans 8, 11. And if the spirit of him, again, tied back to last week, Jesus says, it's better that I go because the Holy Spirit couldn't come in you. I had not died. You are an unclean vessel. I need to die for, for your sins and all these things. And that God's Spirit could now live in you. It's leaving the temple. God's Spirit's leaving be, behind the curtain of the whole, in the Holy of Holies. He's going to rip that thing that the Holy Spirit could come and live in you. He says this, and if the Spirit of Him, if you're born again, is, is who raised Jesus from the dead is what? Where? 
What? You mean the spirit that shook the earth, that caused Christ to rise from the dead, whatever force, power, however you want to think of it in your mind, shook the earth. That power is living in you. Amen. He says, He who raised Christ from the dead, that spirit living in you, will also give life to what? Your mortal bodies. And I also want to say your mortal marriages, your mortal uh, uh, relationships, all these things in your life because of His Spirit who lives in you. He will give life to your mortal things here on earth. The the Bible also says, if our hope in Christ was for this life only, we would be most miserable. But I want to stop there because it it refers to that our hope doesn't end here, but it's for eternity. But if you back up a little bit, it does say we have hope in him in this life. It doesn't say our hope is only for that, but it's in this life also. Now notice what Paul prays here. I'm on page two. Y'all going to see a miracle. I'm going to get through these notes. Ephesians chapter 1 verses 17 through 21. This is, look what Paul says. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, that he may give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. And that's what I'm praying for today, that we get a spirit of wisdom and revelation that when we remember, we remember it all. We remember everything he died for. So that you may know him better. In verse 18, I pray, now notice this, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened. Why is he praying that? Because their eyes weren't. The eyes of their heart weren't. They hadn't seen it. A lot of them were still doubters. He's saying, I'm praying these things because they need to be. But they're not. You need to know everything that Christ died for. You need to know that, but you don't realize it yet. He says that your heart may be enlightened in order that you may do what? To know the hope. To which he has called you. Because you don't know the hope to which he has called you. You don't realize the hope to which he has called you. To the riches of his glorious inheritance in his people. Now look at verse 19. And his incomparably... What? What? His incomparably great power for us who be... He says that power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in heavenly realms. And verse 21 tells us about this power. He says this power is far above. And we know we wrestle against, not against flesh and blood, but against powers and principalities 
in heavenly places. And it says this, but his power is far above, not close. It's not going to be a close fight and it's going to go to the judges and the judges are going to score it. This is a blowout. It's not even close. He says far above. This power is far above all rule and authority, all power and dominion, and every name that is invoked, not only in this present age, but also in the one to come. But I want you to know, not only in the age to come, but in the here and now for your life. Philippians 3, 10, and 11. Again, Paul's prayer is, I want you to know Christ. He says, I want you to know what you don't know yet. I want you to realize this. I want you to know, yes, to know the power. Everybody say power. To know the power of his resurrection and participation in his suffering. And that word uh, also translates experience, that you could experience everything that his death brought us. Because if you're not careful, you'll miss a lot of it. We remember part and not everything. So let's quickly go through this. I put down keys. I wrote, I always want to try to help you, give you, and it's not just as easy as, you know, but I like to try and give you direction of which way to go and things. So what are some keys that I could begin to understand this? Is Number one, I have to open yourself up or open myself up to his power. How many of you believe Jesus? Didn't he say for every believer this power? You see, we could believe in Jesus just like when his disciples came at the, after they seen him resurrected. But what happened? It said that they worship, but some doubt it you see i think when we don't understand things we begin to doubt we, we get a little scared i talked about that last week about when you say the holy spirit the holy ghost people get a little shaky and scared but when you don't understand sometimes you you push away and i think part of that was well this jesus being raised from the dead kind of freaked them out because they didn't understand it we've seen him die on the cross how is he here today? We don't understand it, but it, can I tell you something? Just because they did not understand what happened did not make it less real that he was actually there. You hear me? Just because you don't understand something doesn't make it less real, doesn't make it not exist. So that power of God that is living inside of you that is available for every single believer, I may not understand it, but I want it. I want to walk a victorious life. I want my life to be in the full. I want peace in my life. I want uh, every relationship restored. I want it all. I want everything that God has for me. And I always say it that way, you know, that the, the, uh, Jesus says that I have come that you may have life and have it to the full. Some of us are not living the life that Jesus died for. You hear me? Some of us are not living the life that Jesus died for. You're just surviving. You're on life support, just hanging in there. 
But he says, I've come, I've died so you can have life to the full. So let's look quickly here. Matthew 19, 27 through 30 says this. As Jesus went on from there, two blind men followed him, calling out, Have mercy on us, son of David. We have, uh, when he had gone indoors, the blind men came to him and, asked, and he asked them, notice this question. Do you believe that I'm able to do this? Do you believe God is able to work through you? That's key. I, I have to open myself up to it. If I don't believe it, then it ain't going to happen. He says, do you believe I'm able to do this? They said, yes, Lord, they replied. And he touched their eyes and said, according to your faith, let it be done to you. And their sight was restored. Because if they would have answered no, they'd still be blind. So I have to know that God's power is there for me to work through me. Notice Ephesians 3, 20 through 21. It kind of ties both of these together. It says, Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask. Let me stop there for a second. Notice an issue with a lot of people, they don't ask. They talk about they talk about the problem, but we don't pray to God about the problem. If we'd spend half as much time praying about it and asking as we do complaining about it, texting about it, putting it on social media about it, the Bible says we don't have because we don't ask. See, thinking about it and letting it worry you and, and take, you, take the very life out of you. Just use that energy in prayer. And I, I love the way it says that. It says, who is able to do immeasurably more. I want you to understand, God doesn't want to just give you enough to survive. God doesn't want to just heal you enough that you feel a little pain. He wants to heal you completely. It says, according to his power that is at work where? Within us. Now notice what he says. But to him be the glory. In the church and in Christ, when? Throughout all generations forever and ever in other words he never stopped doing miracles but he's also saying that that power that's work at work in us is to bring him glory we don't take the credit it, it, i love the way brother allen used to say said you know when, when for palm sunday when that donkey was bringing in jesus it would have been a shame if that donkey thought all them people were praising him. We're just donkeys. We're just bringing Jesus. So, second thing is, do what he tells you to do. Do what he tells you to do. Be faithful and do what he tells you to do. God tells us a lot of things in his word, what we are to do, how we are to live. 
It is for your benefit. And I want to take you to the very first miracle Jesus ever performed. It says, the, the last part of the scripture says that this was the first of his miracles uh, as a sign to the public. Uh, I, I don't believe Jesus performed any miracles before this. Again, or from his baptism till then, because he was baptized at this. And remember once he said, again, last week I talked about this, when Jesus was baptized, it says, when he came up out of the water, the Holy Spirit came down in, in the shape of a dove and alighted on him, which means entered him, accompanied him, empowered him, and assisted him. See, I, I think until that time, he, it, it, he wasn't able to perform miracles. It talks when Jesus was a boy that he grew in stature and, and wisdom and those things. So... I'm not saying he never performed the miracle before this because we don't know what happened between his water baptism and this time. But this was his first public thing. And, and let, let me say this. Obedience is our part. That's what we need to do. Just do what he tells us to do. But notice this. It says, On the third day a wedding took place in Cana in Galilee. Jesus' mother was there, and Jesus and his disciples had also been invited to the wedding. When the wine was gone... Jesus' mother said to him, they have no more wine. And I want to stop there for a second. The weddings in those days, the reception lasted for approximately six days. Now, Jesus, his mother, and his disciples were invited to the wedding, so it wasn't their responsibility. But in the middle of this thing, possibly on the third day, they ran out of the refreshment. Now, they're there, it's not Jesus' responsibility, but his mother. And, and let me just stop with this. There's nothing closer that between a mother and their child. And I believe Mary done this because of that closeness of a relationship between her and Jesus. And I want you to understand what I want to explain to you today is we need to be close to him. Because that's going to help us See, when you really know him, that's going to help you know who he is and what he does. So notice what it says here. When the wine was gone, Jesus' mother said, which she had no reason to, they have no more wine. And listen to Jesus' response. Woman, why do you involve me? My hour has not yet come. Now, this wasn't a disrespectful thing he was saying the way... It's English translation kind of may sound disrespectful. But that was a customary way they spoke in those days. You say, Mama, why are you telling me? It's not our responsibility. My, my hour has not yet come. I'm just here as a guest. Anybody ever got volunteered by your wife or something? Oh, Scott will do it. And I'm like, what, 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 shouldn't you ask me first? <laughs> But notice this, it says, woman, why do you involve me? Jesus uh, replied, Jesus, my hour has not yet come. But look what Mary does. She's done talking to him. He says, why do you involve me? And notice what she goes. She just says, his mother said to the servants, do whatever he tells you. Hey, oh, wait, I just told you. What, what, what are you doing? I think Mary probably reminded him, 
Remember, the Bible says, honor thy mother and father. I'm making, my, I'm making my demands known right now. You better be honoring. I think Mary made that statement because she knew Jesus. And she was confident in Jesus. That even though on the grand scheme of God's will and plan for this world, it was nothing, but that he would care enough to honor her prayer. And you may be saying, this thing I'm going through, you know, God don't care. Yes, he does. The Bible says he knows the number of hair on your head. He knows every detail of your life, and he's worried about and cares about every detail in your life. But notice what his mother told the servants. Do whatever he tells you. That's where I got do what he tells you. Do what, in other words, Mary was saying, if you want to see the miracle, do what he tells you to do. And then she says this. Nearby stood six water jars, the kind used by the Jews for ceremonial washing, each holding from 20 to 30 gallons. And Jesus said to the servants, fill those jars with water. Now, when we think, he would say, well, okay, bring me the empty bottles that y'all already used. But to him who is able to do more than we can ask or imagine. Say, I'm not going to just fill up those little wine bottles. So I'm not going to give you barely enough. He says, I'm, when I'm going to do this, you're going to have more than enough. To him who is able to, more, to do more than we can ask or imagine. He says, those big things that are for ceremonial washing, bring them over here. Can I stop for a second here? I, 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 I was thinking with this. If Jesus would have been able to do miracles as a child, how hard do you think that would have been to be his mother? I, I was thinking to myself, I would have been a Razoo. I couldn't have been him. You know, I said, Mom, can I have a cookie? Can I have some cookies? And she said, oh, I haven't had supper, so just one. That's all I need. Remember Jesus? He took the bread, broke it in half, handed it out, and another half appeared. Took the fish, broke it in half, handed it, a head appeared, tail appeared. Ooh, that Oreo cookie. Another half would appear. <laughs> right? Right? He would have been a razoo. <laughs> That's just the way I'm thinking, you know. <laughs> So, but again, I don't believe Jesus had miracle working ability because the Holy Spirit came and dwelled and assisted him as, uh, after his water baptism. So, again, nearby stood six stone water jars, the kind used uh, by the Jews for ceremonial washing, each holding from 20 to 30 gallons. Jesus said to the servants, fill the jars to the, to the rim. Then he told them, now draw some out and take it to the master of the banquet. They did so. And the master of the banquet tasted the water that had been turned into wine. 
He did not realize where it had come from, though the servants who had drawn the water knew. Then he called the bridegroom aside and said, Everyone brings out the choice or the best wine at first, and then the cheaper wine after the guests have had too much to drink. But I love how it says this, But you have saved the best till now. What Jesus did here in Cana of Galilee was the first of the signs through which he revealed his glory and his disciples believed in him. Can I tell you, when you go to Jesus, he brings you the best. Says he has the, the saved the best till now. So whatever you're going through, Realize God's power is at work in your life. There's nothing too big that he can't handle. There's nothing too small that he doesn't care about. It's available for all who believe. See, when we get ready to receive communion, if someone would go get the, Mark, you go get the little kids, three, four, and five. When Jesus made that statement, do this in remembrance of me. Remember more than just the cross. Although that is enough. I'm not, I'm not belittling or putting down anything with that. But he died so we could have life. But life to the full. That relationships could be healed. Bodies could be healed. Minds could be healed our spirit to be in peace with God. Spirit, soul, and body. Your mind, your will, and your emotions can all be healed because of what Jesus did. And we need to remember that. So as we get ready to receive communion this morning, you don't have to be a member of Christian Fellowship Church to receive communion because it's not a church thing. It's a relationship thing with God. And as long as you've accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, you're more than welcome to come receive communion with us. And if you haven't, those watching online also, I just want to give you that opportunity. As we celebrate and remember his resurrection, but we also want to remember what he's done for the, every part of our life. That he can make us whole. That he can heal every hurt that we have. Every emotional hurt that we have been through life. That, it, that may not be, has nothing to do with our own fault. Right? Sometimes we get hurt by others when we have no, nothing in it ourselves. But God wants to heal you. Amen. He wants you to walk whole. So as we stand to our feet right now, if you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I want to give you that opportunity first right now. And I just ask everyone just to say this simple prayer. Uh, say this from your heart and invite Christ into your life. Say, Dear Heavenly Father, I come to you right now and I receive the gift of salvation that comes through your Son, Jesus Christ. I admit that I'm a sinner and I'm in need of salvation. And I believe you sent your Son to die on the cross for the forgiveness of my sin. And I accept this forgiveness right now 
In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So what we're going to do is we're going to ask Pastor Allen and Sister Jeanette to they come help me and my wife, and Michelle's going to take communion to the back. We do have the little uh, packets still, but we will be at each uh, corner, each uh, aisle. So come on up and uh, receive the emblems, then make your way back to your seat, and we'll uh, take them all together. Because where would I be? You only know. I'm glad you see. a couple of people looked a little confused you, you have the wafer on top and the juice underneath there's two things you have to pull off uh, when you go to receive it the first one cellophane will get you the, the wafer and then the, the grape juice but I want to go ahead and read from uh, Luke chapter 22 starting in verse 14 when the hour came Jesus and his apostles reclined at the table and he said to them I have eagerly desired to eat Passover with you before I suffer for I tell you, I will not eat again until it finds fulfillment in the kingdom of God. After taking the cup, he gave thanks and said, Take this and divide it amongst you. For I tell you, I will not drink again of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took the bread, gave it thanks, broke it, and gave it to them, saying, This is my body giving, given for you. And here's that statement. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This is the cup of the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. So as we receive the emblems this morning, 
we want to remember all that he died for. Not only the forgiveness of our sins, but that we could be made whole. That we could be healed. That we could live a full life. Father, I just come to you today. Father, I lift up every need in this place today, Father God, and we know that we have victory through your Son, Jesus Christ. Father, I pray for each and every person's spirit, soul, and body right now that you bring healing, Father God, to each and every person. And if any of them are sick, Father God, we pray that healing, uh, you'd heal their body, that it would just be manifested this morning in their body. We pray for marriages, we pray for families, we pray for children, we pray for parents. We lift up all the needs to you, Father God, that you bring peace and restoration into every area of our life. We thank you that your son died on the cross and we want to live for the God in the fulfillment of everything that he died for. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. At this time, you can receive the emblem. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Let's just give the Lord a hand clap this morning. Let him know how much you love him. And remember, although it's Easter, and I know there's a bunny rabbit that a lot of people talk about, but remember the real reason. Amen. God bless you. We love you. We'll see you Wednesday night for prayer.